0: Welcome back for episode 24 with me, Nick, and my buddy, Ronnie. Yeah, how's it, everybody? Ronnie here. This episode is brought to you by the Rugby Ball Light SA. You guys can check them out at rblsa.co.za to get yours. Or join us on Superbrew and stand a chance of winning. A much better chance than Ronnie. But yeah, Ronnie, lack a weekend from our side or not so lacker, we drove down to Bloom, had a bit of a road trip there, watching the All Blacks Island game, and then... We got to see the box in action. First time for me in the Toyota Stadium.
1: Yeah, it's actually the second time, but uh, first time I watched a PSL soccer game uh, in in that stadium. Nice to watch rugby there uh, for a change. It Was an experience. We got into Bloemfontein, We we sounded the kudu horn to announce our arrival. The locals the locals welcomed us, which was fantastic to see. A colleague of mine who's a who's a Bulls supporter. He 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 sounded the the bull the Bulls horn.
0: You know, but but it was nice to see that the the cheaters welcomed us. Just stepping out into the first shopping center when we arrived there, I mean, everyone was wearing their Bok jerseys. All the girls were walking around with their Bok jerseys, everyone having breakfast. You could really see that the town was up for it, without a doubt. And pretty good turnout at the stadium, actually, hey, Ronnie? You reckon
1: they were wearing their Bok jersey because uh, the game was on or because it was just Saturday and that's what they will
0: do on Saturdays? I reckon both. You never need a reason <laughs> to wear your Bach jersey. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Absolutely. You're right. And uh, the whole town was ready to go. There were posters everywhere. Uh, I think the, the the Cheetah supporters down there were just so excited that Springbok Rugby was finally back in bloom after, must be like five years or something. I can't remember the last time, 2018,
0: they played England yeah. there, I believe. Yep, you're correct. The stadium, you know, a little bit of a, an outdated stadium. You know, the, the bathrooms are located far from the stands. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, yeast dispenser, struggled a little bit to keep up with everybody. I think they almost ran out of beer at halftime, hey?
1: Yeah, it's definitely uh, an aged stadium. I think a lot of stadiums had a bit of a revamp with 2010 World Cup with the 2020 FIFA World Cup and a couple other things and some of the bigger unions just had more money to keep their stadiums in tip-top shape. It's a little bit tricky to, like you say, you've got to walk out of the stadium essentially to go get a and out of the stadium to go to the toilet and uh, a lot of the other stadiums like Nalespray, PE, Cape Town, all these stadiums you can kind of just leave your seat, just walk through the tunnel a little bit and you can almost walk right around the stadium without leaving the stadium, you know, and then and there's bars and toilets close by, but yeah, Free State's one of those stadiums which I learned this weekend, you can't actually drink whilst at your seat.
0: Yeah, that um, definitely bugged finding out we were in the family stand, not allowed to drink. So, you know, yeah. I must I must say, we did have a very good view. We were right in front of the team as they sung the anthems. So I, I enjoyed the view, but the stadium experience definitely could use a little bit of an improvement. I, I must say, I really appreciated over Loftus that, they're so chilled there. You know, you could have taken half a, a skip over that wall and been on the field, no problem.
1: There's no fencing or a big big moat that prevents you from getting onto the stadium. Uh, there's just some security guards, right? And you've got something to add in that regard.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, I pointed it out to you while we were sitting there watching the game. The security guard sitting in front of our stand was fast asleep facing us, you know, and who are we to disrupt? You know, let sleeping guards lie. But... I mean, you could have jumped onto that pitch and gone. She would have had no idea that you were out there. I enjoyed that. It didn't disrupt the view, having a fence slapped up at 60 minutes. And no one invaded the pitch. I'm just saying. Well, I didn't see anyone invade the pitch. You're quite
1: right. But there was definitely talk about it. The the people sitting in front of us mentioned, make a couple of jokes that they too thought that they could uh, scale that wall in in, in one hip, uh, one
0: hop, skip and a jump, you know. Do you think you could do what that guy did, hey Ronnie? Facing the crowd, not the, not the game behind. <laughs> well, that team.
1: no, no, I can't, I can't, I could never do that. I'd definitely be looking over my shoulder every five to ten seconds. So yeah, that's not that's not a job for me. I don't want to be facing the crowd. I want to be seeing the action.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, she didn't even turn around when the lineouts were right behind her. So that really, really baffled me. This weekend's rugby was a pretty crap one for everybody on Superbrew, hey.
1: Yeah, Super bruise definitely took a bit of a hit. I def- I took a big knock. I got so many calls wrong and it was a real upset. I backed the southern hemisphere hard and then the northern hemisphere came in even harder and and, and you know they, they absolutely asserted their dominance over us. I think it's only three occasions. Uh, previously where new zealand australia and south africa have all lost on the same weekend and so things like that don't actually happen very often but then for scotland to also go and beat argentina and it just upset a lot of things but uh, we have a super brew pool going uh, it's not just a fun and friendly super brew pool Maybe it might be for you, Nick, where you're not actually uh, competing with anybody, but uh, there are three. We do have a first, second and third place here. So I'm just going to start off with third place. It is for prizes. Uh, Nick obviously will not be competing. He is uh, very far down the log.
0: But in, not in, as in far place, as you.
1: Can you stop? Bloody well interrupting me, please. So we've got a in third place, a Marni van Emines, uh aka MSCBT. I think that's... For Miss Cape Town, I'm going to assume. Mudney is on 17 points. Uh, Re, then in second place, we've got Rion from the pool, aka Rion. He's also on 17 points. Uh, if you don't know how a total differential margin works, uh, you should definitely go read up on Super Brew. But uh, that's second place for Rion. In first place, we've got uh, Sean Eastman, aka Sean. So Sean is on 17 and a half points. And uh, just to put into perspective how rubbish Super Brew actually was, Past weekend sean has now taken first place after achieving zero point bonus points this past weekend only five win points i suppose five win points is exceptional no. considering what no. after this weekend's results for sure and he only got two out of nine margin points um so i think that gave him a total of six points across uh nine games and that's, that's all he needed to make it to top spot to 17 and a oh. half. So, Sean Eastman, you're currently leading and you're in front running for a rugby ball light, which I'll mention in a moment. And because we host the show, we always get to mention ourselves. So, Nick, a.k.a. The Rugby punted you are 120th, my friend. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm i uh, Unfortunately, I slipped up a little bit and uh, <laughs> I'm somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> so we have mentioned this before, that we have graciously been given some rugby ball lights by the Rugby Ball Light SA company. Unfortunately, we are not allowed to keep these uh, this current batch of lights, which would be great because, honestly, I'd love to fill every room in my home with one of these lights. But the ones we do have that belong to us are great. Uh, we've hooked it up to a smart plug and created schedules and routines with our good friend Google Home. And now every time there's an important Springbok notification, out there uh, the light goes on it's it's also set up to go on 15 minutes before every game starts so we use it as a bit of a warning for everyone around the bride to start heading
0: towards the nearest tv no you're you're 100 right there and i also just have to point out since ronnie's not showing where he is on the log that one of our teammates or members from the rugby punt is actually fifth on the log belinda is right up there she's competing for one of these lights so yeah, bit of a challenge for us to climb up and catch her, eh, hey, Ronald? You didn't tell me that she's allowed to compete for these lights. Y'all, I didn't have to tell you. You're so terrible at SuperB. You had no shot anyway.
1: Okay, whatever.
0: And then, Ronnie, should we dive straight into the game, Hey, Wales 13, box 12. Bit of a loss there in Bloemfontein.
1: Yeah, obviously we were there, we were in the atmosphere, we were in the thick of it, and I think for the most of of the game, the crowd was uh, very wild and loud, and the atmosphere was fantastic. Obviously, we didn't come off with the wind, so things died out right at the end there at the death, Uh, but it was a very exciting game to watch live, I think.
0: Yeah, I I really enjoyed it live. There was quite a lot of tense moments. Fortunately, we didn't get to see any of the box score a try. I thought Kirtley Orens looked like he was going to get over. Fassi also had a bit of a run. But Arendt played the first half right in front of us. I thought he was very solid on defence, good performance from him, good outing, and a nice backup for Cheslin, I think.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I was a little bit nervous when they... I'm always a little bit nervous when they pick these small, light uh, players. Uh, but then, you know, Cheslin Colby's proven me wrong. I mean, he's incredible. When anybody runs at Cheslin, I've got faith that Cheslin's going to tackle him. Maybe he's going to have to tackle him twice or three times, but he's quick enough to get that done. So, uh, I, you know... I was a little bit nervous, but you know what? Uh, not a bad outing for him
0: right off the get-go. Ivan Ruiz also putting in a big shift. He carried quite well. I think he could have done better, but all in all for a debut, pretty impressed with him. Peter Stefft-Toy as well, making a long-awaited return. He's now included in the, the starting lineup for the coming game. I could see a 50-50 shot from him, which disappointed me a little bit. I was hoping he would get, get more involved in the game. And Andre Este is in two, but now seeing that he broke his hand, maybe that played a bit of a role in, in what went on there as well.
1: Yeah, look, I think 14 changes to the starting lineup is a lot. And, uh, you know, even more in, also in, in on the bench. Uh, it was a vastly different team. I think we took a lot of risks with so many changes. It's a little bit unfortunate uh, to be able to put someone suddenly into a game like that, into a starting role and expect them to perform. I think uh, with the team that we had, we, we we played well, I think. They, obviously, here and there, there were a couple of slip ups that didn't quite go our way. We did create opportunity, which was fantastic to see, especially in the first half. Uh, we could have capitalised a little bit more on those opportunities. But you know, a couple of things we learned. I, th- you know, bottom line is you put all those players in there. Um, there's there's a couple of there's quite a few debutants. A couple of players also not exactly in their preferred positions. I'm thinking about Fussy. You know, you know, is it fair to put them there and expect them to put them in in a, in a position they're not 100% comfortable with and expecting them to perform, I don't know so much. It's definitely something you need to take into consideration. Uh, is, is it fair on the team? Is it fair on the players? Is it fair on the chemistry amongst the players? I, I don't know so much.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. You know, you need to be given your shot in a team that is already performing. I'd mentioned last week, I should have been at 13 to bring a bit of stability to the back line. If you take one or two of these players and put them in the side that's on for this weekend for example I think you get a much different performance out of them when they're coming into an established side rather than you know all trying to outperform and all trying to take their shot also maybe leads to a little bit of individualism on the field itself so I think that that's definitely a struggle that they've faced but then I just have to call out Angus Gardner because he does not know what a high tackle is I mean he let Farrell's one go on Andre Esterhazen And then he let another big one go on Joseph Dweber this weekend. So I don't know. But the problem
1: is we have professional teams that should be able to look at a ref and and understand how they blow. And I mean, as long as the ref is consistent, that's, that's fine by all sides, by... Well, he's you know, consistent about calling them. <laughs> well, that's exactly what I'm saying. As long as we know that uh, Angus Gardner likes to let those, those things slip a bit, that's his style of refereeing and, and our team should be aware of things like that. It's a little bit unfortunate when it goes against your team. I personally overall don't find uh, Angus Gardner to be the worst ref we've uh, ever had in our games. I think to think of a couple of French refs and possibly another Australian comes to mind, but uh, we won't. That's a discussion for another
0: day. Probably possibly a rant in the future. I I can definitely see you coming up with a rant in the future. But yeah, I don't know. And then the scrum penalties for me were quite difficult because I felt like we got done in a little bit at the set piece when we actually had some good scrum dominance. Thomas de was scrumming quite well, but ultimately getting penalized. Same from Inokane. And I think that... I think you're just making... Uh, whatever you're saying right now you're just making it all up
1: nobody understands the, the the true dark arts of what goes on in the front row and how those penalties uh, are awarded i mean uh, i i played i didn't play in the front row i played in the front row for two years at the 14 and 15 uh, but you know that's that's a different different kettle of fish but to be quite honest with you, I never know what's going on there. I often see the opposition dropping their binds first, but the penalty goes in their favour. So who knows? I mean, are there really any rules that, that govern the front row? I don't think so. I think it's all just, you, you know, how, what does the referee feel like on the day?
0: I think you just had too many beers at the stadium on Saturday and couldn't see what was going on in the scrums. It's the risk of so many changes, even up front. You know, the bench coming on, you saw a little bit of an impact when Malcolm came on, but ultimately a bit of a disjointed performance. And Andre Pollard also struggling. He was better than Alton, but not the commanding performance you want from your star fly half. Hey, well, we spoke about it last
1: week. Though you're putting uh, Pollard at ten, and on either side of him, you've got uh, you've got a nine and and a twelve that aren't regulars in that position. So he's got to look both left and right and make a decision whether you know he what what to do with in the, in that current situation at that moment in time. So we haven't got stability on either side of him. So maybe that that does that doesn't work well with what Pollard's game plan is usually.
0: Yeah, I get what you're saying, but I think someone like him, who was actually put in there for for his experience and leadership capabilities, not getting the result that we needed from him, and hopefully he will he will do better this weekend down in Cape Town. I mean, but, he'll
1: definitely come out of out of this past weekend's game with with. You know, having learned quite a bit with respect to uh, his leadership and how to control both the nine on his inside and the twelve on his outside, so I think I think he may have learned a couple of things more so than other players for sure.
0: Well, this now leaves us with a series decider now in Cape Town. You know, it's it's going to be a big game. Wales having won their first test on South African shores this past weekend, they're going to be upbeat about that. It's going to be a big, big contest in Cape Town, and I think everyone that's been picking. Double figure wins over the Welsh for the box. It's gonna to have to relook at their super Bowl this week and see see that they go a little bit lower.
1: Look, the reality of the of the matter is Wales came and they played the first two games at altitude. Uh, they were close in the first game. In the second game, I reckon they were more climatized. They were more they were used to the altitude a little bit more because Bloom is still at altitude. Let's not forget that. So and they played a, they played a very similar team to the first first week so for all intents and purposes they were supposed to be a lot better in in the bloom game we beat them in the in, well we obviously all used to playing at altitude because that's what south africans uh, do we often play at ellis park and bloom and and loftus and we we're used to that uh, we made a lot of changes we took a lot of risk as well and it, it came close we came close so i don't think we can hang our heads in shame and be despondent too much i think we can i think we, there's a lot of positives that did come out of the game we at least we know What doesn't work,
0: right? Yeah, no, I I definitely agree with you there. But then, I mean, let's look ahead to the team for Cape Town this weekend. Let's start with the front row like we normally do. Trevor, Bongi, France. Trevor getting elevated there over Oxen Chair from the Loftus game. And Bongi earning his 50th test cap. Yeah, I for for Bongi.
1: I I mean, you know, I often talk about Bongi. In all honesty, I probably think Bongi is my favorite player. Um, I just I just find him to be that one, that juggernaut that <laughs> that honestly can beat up a team for 50 minutes. And, and, you know, when everybody's exhausted, Malcolm comes onto the field. So I'm happy that Bungie's there and I'm proud that he's that he's getting his 50th cap. Good on yeah. him. Um, I hope that he can do some damage again for what, let's assume, 50 minutes again this coming weekend. Uh, Trevor, yeah. for sure, needs a little bit of game time. So I'm also happy to see him there and France Malabar. I mean, we know what we have in France. Uh, there was that article and you mentioned it in the previous podcast that he could quite possibly be the best tight end in the world. That was, a, yeah. that was not our quote. That was a quote by someone else. So good on him.
0: But I mean, yeah, the front row selects itself. It doesn't really matter who's starting, who's benching. There's never many qualms about the front row. Then at Locke as well, the same situation. You've got Yerben getting his 100th test cap this weekend. Youngest ever Springbok to achieve that at the age of 30 and he becomes the seventh box centurion. And then Lurt Acha, I mean, Two powerhouses, I don't think there really is much to say else about them, Deserved selections.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. I think, I'm uh, just happy to see Lurt back in there because he had a good performance in the Loftus game. So good to see him back. I, I agree. There's not really much to say there. We've got such great front rows, such great blocks, really.
0: So it's going to be somebody complaining, but you can't really complain too yeah. much with Eben and Lurt there. And then the loose trio, Sio Khaleesi returns to captain the side. Peter De Steff de Toy makes his return, which we pretty much knew was coming. And Jasper Visa, so that's basically the loose trio that did duty last year against the British Irish Lions.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, look, Jasper Visa, at a, you know, he's played good rugby domestically. When I say domestically, I mean domestically abroad. Uh, Peter Steff to I'm a little bit nervous about uh, bringing him and bringing him back so early and putting him in two back-to-back starting roles. I'm not um, going to
0: let you rant about
1: this again, Ronnie,
0: because you think he's soft.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think he's soft. I just think we need to take care of him because he's such an incredible player. We need to we need to make sure we're not asking too
0: much of him too soon. No, so he, he needs be... to play this game so that he's ready to stuff up the All Blacks.
1: All right. Well, that's your opinion, and your opinion is usually wrong. So uh, we'll just we'll just we'll leave it at that. But you yeah, look, Peter Stief. So we know what we have him. He is going to damage some people, right? So let's just hope he doesn't damage himself. And then obviously Peter Stief, uh, he's a captain. He's been around. Mr. Uh, inspirational, it seems, though, he, he does seem to get a team to rally behind him. Um, I'm a little bit a little bit sad for some of the other players, you know, Ivan Reus and, and the likes. We'd like to have seen them in, in another role. Uh, I hope it's not too long. We don't have to wait too long to see them
0: back in, yeah. in, in green and gold. And then your 9-10, it's the same pairing that did Duty and Blimfontein. Jaden Hendricks so retains the 9 jersey. And Andre Pollard at 10. Yeah, it's important though for a 19 to to become a good combination too.
1: So uh, whoever your 19s are, you know, Fuff makes a good pairing with with Pollard. Pollard is very stable. He's very consistent. He's a strong runner of the ball. Then we've got Fuff, who can be a little bit chaotic at times. I think the two of them complement one another. And um, for me, Jaden, Jaden and Andre is possibly a a, few, a a good future pairing or backup pairing uh, with that respect. I find Jaden to also be a little bit chaotic at times. And, yeah. and that that and given the opportunity, he could settle in that position, perhaps and make a good combination with Andre.
0: Yeah, I think Jaden a little bit slow from the base of the ruck this past weekend. So I'd like to see him pick up the ruck speed. But yeah, continuity is there in in that partnership, and that could be important this weekend. Then the back division, Damien Willemser returns at 15. He started there at Loftus, and he's joined by Mapimpi and Cheslin. Again, players that select themselves, they're World Cup stars. British National Lions series winners and no real contentions about their selection.
1: Yeah, I'm always excited to see Cheslin. I just want to see who he's going to step this week and uh, very exciting. So no complaints with Cheslin, no complaints with Makazzolo. Damon Willemser, right? So he's obviously performed in the recent weeks. So maybe he deserves that 15 role and, and give him the opportunity by all means. You know, we need a replacement for Vili. We can't just always rely on Vili till the end of the day, till the end of time. So bringing Damien Viemsa he's proven himself and you know what if somebody goes down Damien Viemsa can kick and he seems to be able to to marshal the back three quite well.
0: Yeah I have to agree with you. I was a little surprised if Elise not starting I had expected that but no qualms with Willemsa they're getting more test experience starting in mm. the role, and and no qualms and then again as well 12 and 13 Damien Dialenende Lucanya unresuming their center partnership. I think they will be crucial to beating the Welsh. George North got a little bit of a foothold this past weekend, and I'd like to see them sort of bully the Welsh back into submission again. And then Ronnie, looking at the bench, not much change there except for Fuff and Billy now being being dropped to the bench. Ulrich Lowe gets a call-up again, Quagher Smith, two, two flankers on the bench, and then Franco Morsted sos there with Koch, Kitsov and Marks. Yeah, I'm not too concerned with any of that. Obviously, Malcolm Ox, I love to see that
1: guy on at 16. I know that a lot of people claim he should be starting at two, but I think he just fits that role so well. Bongi just damages everybody for 50 minutes, and then just when everybody's so exhausted, Malcolm comes on the field, so and he's just going to take every ball from every tired little rugby player. So fits, those those two make a great combination, really. But uh, yeah, I can't complain with anybody on the bench really. So so let's see, it's going to be a, it's a strong team to
0: take on Wales. So let's see what Wales have uh, in store and how Wales are going to counter this. Yeah, well, I think it's going to be lacquer that it's a final. Ronnie, you and I are heading down to Cape Town on Friday. Going to go cough out a lung, trying to hike up Lions head on Saturday. And then we'll catch everyone at the game. I'm flipping excited for that. We haven't watched in Cape Town Stadium yet either. Going to be a lacquer one.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think the last time we were in Cape Town, we were at Newlands, though, and we watched us lose to the All Blacks by one point. And uh, that was so hopefully it's a little bit better this weekend. It is very exciting, obviously. It's coming down series decider in
0: Cape Town, in Greenpoint. We've never been to that stadium, so there's a lot to look forward to. Yeah, let's fill that stadium, too. But yeah, Ronnie, it wasn't only tough times down in Blum for us. Hey, we also had a very tough time in the Southern Hemisphere collectively this weekend. Yeah,
1: I think uh, I think I said it when I spoke about the Super Brawl in the beginning. It was uh, definitely the Northern Hemisphere's weekend. They won everything. It wasn't a Southern Hemisphere team that won. Granted, there's only four of us, but if you look at Tonga, the Tonga and the and the, and the Pacific Island nations, I
0: suppose they they do count to Southern Hemisphere. Yeah, but not cross-hemisphere battles. I think. So starting there then, Samoa 34, 18 Tonga. I think pretty much an expected result after Tonga was torn apart a bit the previous week. Yeah, good to see they
1: scored 18 points this week and not zero like last weekend. But yeah, look, I agree with you. It was a, pretty much we knew what was coming. Uh, Samoa is one of the calls I got right. Uh, Tonga,
0: if they have hard times, then in, in in Tonga yeah struggling a little bit at the moment and then talking about struggling france struggled to beat japan this week okay eh? 2015 ultimately at the 80th minute but not the comprehensive victory from the french
1: yeah this is something i want to discuss possibly in next week's uh, episode during my two cent segment yeah france is a very young inexperienced team i believe and uh you know they they're also experimenting and it's, you should be experimenting a year out from the World Cup. Look, I think this is going to do them absolute wonders next year. They still managed to pull off the win. So, well done to France.
0: Yeah, like you said, Ronnie. And then I think the the shock upset for everyone this week, although I'm quite chuffed about it, sadly. Ireland 23-12 All Blacks. Yeah, Ireland 23-12
1: All Blacks. Uh, you said last week you you backed Ireland in the first game and then, you know, the All Blacks won. And you're like, no, it's oh, three wins for the All Blacks. And then this it came along, so... Take note, everybody, do whatever, do the opposite of what uh, Nick says here. But look, Ireland, Olive beating the
0: All Blacks, well, bloody flipping done. I think that's the first time they won down there in New Zealand. Yeah, first ever victory in New Zealand. And they today beat the Maori All Blacks for the first time as well. So is there a series win first for them coming this coming weekend? We'll have to wait and <laughs> see there. I think they took the advantage of New Zealand having the, the red card and a bit of confusion there with Artie Sevier being taken off the field accidentally as a result of misunderstanding of the rules. And yeah, Ireland took their chances, hey? Yeah, absolutely. Well done to Ireland. Very proud of them. And then England, 25, Australia, 17. Another one of the Northern Hemisphere teams winning.
1: <laughs> yeah, of course. So, so Eddie Jones would be very happy that he managed to take his English uh, team and go and beat his old team, right? So well done to England. This is definitely, for me, the closest matchup between all the teams, I say that though, then you know, Ireland goes and beats the All Blacks and you know, Wales beats us. So you could argue that there are other close matchups, which they definitely are. But for me, this one is it's really 50-50 on the day. So Australia pulling it off in the first week, England pulling it off in the second week. Uh, I really don't know what to expect for the third week. This for me is going to be the hardest one to call, absolutely. But well done to England. I say that with, uh, I really struggle to to say those words, but you know, they deserved winners.
0: Yeah, and then Scotland keeping the trend up. 29-6 victory over Los Pumas. Yeah.
1: <laughs> there are a lot, of, a lot of memes coming out there. And, you know, uh, France, Ireland, England, all these teams winning. And then, you know, looking at, over to Scotland, asking them to, to pull off a win as well for the Six Nations teams. They did it. And they did it convincingly. Yeah, and they did it was... in Argentina. It's not easy to go to
0: Argentina and win. No, that was a, a big win for the Scots, actually. And then my saving grace this weekend on Superbrew was calling Georgia's win over Italy 28-19. Interestingly enough, uh, and I think we're going to talk about this possibly
1: later or, or not, but Georgia is now ranked higher than Italy. So uh, Italy is, I think, 14th in the world rankings and Georgia possibly 12th. And Georgia are not in the Six Nations. So maybe there is a case for Georgia joining the Six Nations after a win like this over Italy and, you know, now being ahead of them on the world rankings.
0: Yeah, that's definitely an argument to be made there. But like you said, and you mentioned there, there's been a bit of movement in the world rankings. Just to run through that quickly, France is now first overall. It's the first time in their history that they've reached the top of the rankings. They climbed three places. Ireland is in second place. They climbed four places, or from fourth, I apologize, and sitting above South Africa in third, and New Zealand the lowest they have ever been in fourth place so they're in
1: fourth place but it's not their lowest ranking ever so they've been on on that specific ranking on two previous occasions before but this is but in those occasions they were third they were never fourth so it, it, and 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 if you look at the world rankings explanations they also say that the top team is usually in the 90s and
0: without a team in the top 90s you could say the top four are very very close uh, closely matched the problem here is that the springboks even if we beat wales this weekend cannot go back to first place now yeah, obviously the permutations and whatnot need to be looked at a little bit closer. I don't know how many
1: points exactly are on the, on offer here, but there is a calculation. You can determine it before the match. But
0: I agree with you. I don't think we can get the full two points that we lost uh, in Blobfontein. Nope, because Wales are still ranked down in eighth place.
1: But with them now being in eighth place and us in third,
0: that does mean that this weekend's game is for points. Yes. We, can, we can win some points back. This is true. This is true. And then, Ronnie, should we quickly take a run through our Super Brew picks for this weekend? You know, see coming into the last round of the competition, what are your picks? So we've got
1: the first game, we've got Tonga, Australia. I'm looking at a a win for Australia by, this is going to be a tough one, so I'm probably going to say by 18. I was by 18. I've got them by four. A lot closer, right? Okay, then we've got uh, in the next game we've got a Fiji v Samoa. For me, this is this is going to go the way of Fiji. It's going to be a lot closer, and obviously Fiji by
0: five. I've got Fiji by six.
1: Next game we've got New Zealand v Ireland. So this is going to be a well interesting, right? So I'm going to just you know, when in doubt, back the own team here. Uh, I think New Zealand will wrap it up in the in the
0: third test. So New Zealand by let's say eight. I've got New Zealand down by five.
1: Next game then, we've got Australia versus England. I said
0: this is a real 50-50
1: here. But you know what? I'm going to go the way of the English here. So Australia by four. I mean, England by four.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely going for the Aussies by two. I just can't back England, I'm afraid. (laughs) (laughs) All right, then we've got South Africa be well. So
1: what's going to happen there? Let's hear your call first.
0: I'm going to go box by eight. Box by eight. Well, I'm going to go a little bit closer. Box by four. And then the last one, Ronnie, Argentina. Scotland. Argentina,
1: Argentina, Scotland. So based on last week's performance, and you know it is going to be a tough ask of the Scottish, but I just have a feeling the Scottish are going to pull pull one out of the here. So Scotland by
0: Scotland by nine. And I've got Argentina by four. So that's a big cool. difference by us. Backing, I'm backing the Southern Hemisphere this weekend because I can't tolerate what went down last weekend. Yeah, so I think the Southern Hemisphere will get uh, two out of four. Two out of four. Well, let's see who's right there, Ronnie. Uh, We've got everything to play for in the Super pool this week. But I know I spent a lot of time with you in the car this weekend. I know you've got a bit of a rant built up in you for today. So what what is it, Ronnie?
1: We could keep calling it a rant, but it's just actually my two cents here. It just so happens that you think I'm always complaining. So this week, I just want to have my moment to talk about Ian Foster you know the the great thing about the all blacks nick is that they've had an incredible last decade and a half in fact possibly even more and 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 they've been absolutely dominant in in world rugby they they've set the ball and in all honesty the rest of us have been fighting for second place right here and there. A couple of us have made uh, first place on the log. And you can't argue that, you know, they've been an incredible force. The, you know, it's a team we love to play as the, as the Springboks, and and I think a, a number of teams like to test themselves against uh, the world's greatest or, or the All Blacks. You know, they've released some of the, the world's most incredible players, possibly even the the world's first true great superstar, Jonah Lomu. With well, that said, something has definitely happened, uh, uh, Nick, in recent years. Uh, pandemic, lack of adequate competition, complacency, arrogance could be any. Could also be all of the above. Maybe it's even none of the above. Regardless, a team can be looked at, uh, looked back on, and broken down into coaching eras or coaching stints. I wasn't quite sure how to uh, how to term that uh, but essentially you can refer to a team you know as Russi's Springboks or eddie's wallabies or sir clive woodward's uh, roses um, i'm not going to go too far back in the in into history but i am just going to look at uh at recent all black coaches uh, and when i say recent i'm going to actually go back to 1985 here so you know the all blacks uh had brian lahore 85 to 87, with a win rate of 78%. Alex Wiley from 88 to 91, with a win rate of 86%. Followed by that, they had Laurie Maines, 92 to 95, with a win rate of 67%, 68% if you round up. Um, So this is when the professional era started, and they brought in John Hart, 96 to 99, who was sacked after six straight losses in 1998. You know, he he had a win rate of 76%. So keep in mind that he was sacked (laughs) after six straight losses but still with a win rate of 76%. After him, Wayne Smith, 2000 to 2001, who was then sacked in favor of uh, John Mitchell, who apparently had more passion. Wayne Smith then went on to become an assistant coach. Uh, He too had a win rate of 71%. John Mitchell, 2002 to 03, 82% win ratio. Graham Henry, now this is really where modern day... All black Rugby, I would say, starter. So Graham Henry, 2004 to 2011, 85% win ratio. Steve Hansen, 2012 to 2019, 87% win ratio. So you're arguably the best coach New Zealand has had. And uh, this brings us to Ian Foster today, 2020 to present, only 70% win ratio. It makes Foster the most unsuccessful in, professional, in the professional era of rugby, if you consider the professional era, to be post-1995. I mean, honestly, Nick, who are we really? We're just two folks that like to talk about rugby and our opinions are our own. For some reasons, people like to listen to us and, and hear what we have to say. Some people like to tune in for no other reason than to tell us we're bloody morons and incredibly biased. We had one of those this weekend. Uh, we watch a lot of rugby and we pick up on some things. We like to share that with the interweb. And, uh, but you know, honestly, surely someone at New Zealand Rugby should be asking questions. You can't be number one forever, but what has happened at the All Blacks where they went from the coach with the second highest win percentage in history of the All Blacks to a coach who also happened to be the assistant coach of the previous one with the lowest win percentage in the professional era of the sport. So I've got a couple of questions. I've got four questions here. Who, where, why, and when? Who? Scott Robertson, a.k.a. Razor. Where? The guy's literally in New Zealand right now coaching a powerful Crusaders team to multiple titles. Why? Because he's a flipping legend right now. He should be the coach. When? Well, we're a year out from the World Cup. Maybe it's a little too late, but damn, that guy should have been in the mix as one of the coaches for the last couple of years. Honestly, Ian Foster, I don't know how you're the coach when they've got Scott Robinson.
0: That's my complaint and my two cents for the week. Yes, Ronnie, that was a hell of a rant, eh?
1: Yeah, if you say so. I, I Sometimes I just need to get it off my chest. And I, I am confident that somebody out there will be listening to me and going, yeah, yeah, this guy actually does know what he's talking about. Also confident that the majority of people will be like, yes, this guy's a bloody idiot. So shout out to those that think I'm a bloody idiot. Please let us know.
0: Yeah, and shout out as well, actually, to Brian Holdsworth over in Victoria, Australia. Thanks for the kind words you gave us this week. And we hope you've been enjoying this episode, Brian. And I think with that note, it's time for Saturday, Ronnie. A little bit different during the international seasons. Today, I'm not going with an entirely new player on debut as there are none in the starting side this week but i am just going to give a couple of stats on Jaden hendrickson considering he is quite a newbie this will be his fourth test cap this weekend he's currently 22 years old born in the year 2000 which is unbelievable 78 kilos and 1.8 meters tall he's taller than me so that's a little bit embarrassing shorter than a scrum half shorter than me so just to go yeah went to glenwood high he played 14 of the sharks urc games this season starting nine of those and scoring two tries. And his debut in professional rugby actually came in 2020 uh, in the Rainbow Nations Cup. So new to the scene, doing well, and getting the Springbok 9 jersey over Fuff this weekend. Yeah, good on him. So yeah, guys, thanks for joining us this week. Don't forget to leave us a like or review on Spotify or whichever platform you prefer to get your podcast on. A share or follow on Facebook or Instagram is just as great. And catch you guys here next Wednesday.